I am Tova Cito. And I am Janice Gant. And we believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And that it is our job to get us there. Every week, we will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The The Remedy. Remedy. Janice, I love how in that intro, you're like, your very best lie. I believe you. You did? Yeah. <laughs> Good. I meant it. We are here to give you your, your very, very best lie. <laughs> I love it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the, to next the Remedy. Remedy with Tova and Janice. We're so happy you're here. We are. We are really happy that y'all are here, and we are happy that we are here recording this. We are so happy we that we are here. We came in with a better attitude today. We did, <laughs> yes. For those of you who listened, our, our problems are not 100% resolved, but... No, but they've lightened up. Yeah. Message. It, yeah. One day it may seem like it's just totally overwhelming, and the next day it's going to lighten up. It's just going to be fine. Yeah. Cabs is all done. Yeah. Mine wasn't that big of a deal. It was at the time. Yeah. I may have been making a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> I, I, a molehill's a molehill. I would have felt yeah, similar. Yeah, that's true. It's a bump. Yeah. yeah. Maybe so, I'm underplaying it. Well, I just think you're on the other side of it. So it just yeah, doesn't feel as big. Yeah. But at the time, it, it was not amazing. Yeah, but Isn't it true. interesting how I, I can think back on the times when uh, my first husband and I used to argue a lot more than Tom and I do. Now, and uh, I can remember thinking after I'd been through a big argument or something and, you know, two hours later or the next day, think, that was just so silly. Oh, yeah. The level of angst that accompanies some of those things. Well, when you're in it, it feels so big. And then you get to the other side of it and you're like, why did we do that? Yeah. That was dumb. Yeah. It it is. We should probably talk about that. Like how, how when you're in the moment. Do you step out of the moment so that you can have a decent perspective of reality? Yeah. You it's ever hard. just like really lose your cool and like can't believe that you behave that way? I have. In the past, I have. Definitely yeah. happened to me. It never. Usually that, hit, for whatever reason, happens to me with uh, family issues. Of course. It only happens with mm-hmm. the people that Never with like my love. girlfriend or wife or anything like that. It's always, yeah, always yeah. in the family. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's rare. Yeah, I didn't really fight with my family. I never fought with my parents. I never fought with my parents. I was just doing my stuff on the down low. Yeah, me too. I was just really good at being sneaky. Me too. Yeah, your generation and after, they they found their voice. We just hid everything. Yeah. We did everything that y'all did. We just, we were just really sneaky. Yeah. And there, there wasn't, there wasn't any way to get caught. There was there wasn't a cell phone. There was no tracking. That's a good there, point. Like there there was no like why didn't you call me? Well, mm-hmm. I didn't have a phone. Okay. Like now there's no excuse no. It, for teenagers. Uh, remember my mother steamed open my letter. 
<laughs> That's right. She <laughs> there was the boiling pot of water. <laughs> she was a phenomenon. <laughs> she was a phenomenon. It was so interesting because she was, I can guarantee her spirit is in this room and she's just feeling like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that because my mother was so gracious and so mm. kind. And She was just worried. She was just scared. Yeah, she was she scared. She was afraid. She didn't know what else to do. Blondie, as my dad called me, that Blondie was going to go off the other side of the world. <laughs> well, you maybe you maybe went to the edge. But I did. You found your way back. I did. <laughs> I saw the light. <laughs> okay, so we need to thank Lori Lancashire. Yes, sweet Lori. Thanks, Lori. Thank you so much. Yeah. I miss you. Lori is a therapist, and she and I shared an office. And um, I've known her for years, and I don't see her now because I'm working from home. She's and, phenomenal. Yeah, she's good. She's really good. She came in and did uh, yeah. brain spotting. Yeah. And uh, she just lo- she listens and big fan, and so she sponsored today's yeah, episode. Yeah, so nice. So thank you, thank you, Lori. Yes. Um, and it's appropriate that Lori is our sponsor today because she is a licensed therapist. And today our topic <laughs> is, does everybody need therapy? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kev, what would you say? Kevin is uh, is out of his seat, so <laughs> give him two seconds to get back. I don't know. He's getting a big I boy, I say Mike. yes. Yeah, no, I was just going to take some pictures. Oh, you, uh, say, you say yes, that everybody needs therapy. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone who's of, like, perfectly sound mental health, you know? No. Uh, I mean, it's, it's the same way that no one is, you know, you can be healthy physically, but not, you're course. not perfectly healthy, you know? Everyone yeah. still needs to go to a doctor. Right. I think it's kind of the same way for your, for your mind. <laughs> so, you need a checkup at least every once in a while. So you've gone to therapy? Yes, not in a long time, though. Okay, but you, you've, you've, done, you've done it. Mm-hmm. And you, did you get a lot out of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. How old were you when you went? 21. And probably. how long did you go? Um, only about a year. That's a long time. We'll yeah. talk about it. A long time. Yeah, that is a long time. Yeah, I do want to talk about yeah. the timeline. Of, of yeah. course, I think everybody needs therapy. Do you think everybody needs therapy, Jen? Uh, I mean, I don't think everybody needs therapy all the time. Yeah. I think that no, it's situational, that. typically, mm-hmm. unless you have some really, you know, if you've got some addiction or some addictive behaviors and stuff like that, that you need kind of a continuing... Um, a continuing process going on. Uh, but I don't, uh, I mean, there are a lot of people in this world that don't go to therapy and they, you know, may be relatively happy. I don't know. It depends on how well you negotiate problems and Mm -hmm. how, how, how you manage your own emotions and family of origin stuff, which I guess will go into all some of these different things about it. Because I think that what a lot of us do is act out behaviors and ideas that we were taught when we were growing up. And we act that out and we think that that is normal or acceptable when it may not be. It may be abusive or it may be, you know, detrimental to your relationship. And so I think it's like taking a class in some of that stuff to go to therapy to kind of learn that. But, you know... But yeah, I mean, I think that everybody could benefit from it, but I think that yes. I don't think that everybody needs to go out right now and sign up for therapy. I think you do it upon demand, sort of. Yes. Like I, when you go to a doctor. Yes. 
and I think I think that's the perfect way to say it. But I would also say that at some point in my life. I need to go to the doctor. Like, oh, I, I got to go to the gyno. I've got to, you know, have my mammogram. I've got, like, there are things that I, ha- I have, I, w- I want to go to the dentist a couple times a year. And so, I mean, you were my therapist long before we had this, this show together. Right. And this podcast together. And, um, and I had probably two or three maybe just two counselors before you. Uh-huh. Um, and they definitely served their purpose. They were different uh-huh. uh, and they focused on different things. It was mostly grief uh-huh. uh, with loss. And, um, but I, I, I like you, like when I went through that grief, I needed to go through therapy. Now what I discovered in therapy with you, especially, um, was much more than the situation that I was going through. Right. And I think that's the benefit of therapy is the uncovering of, wow, I now I understand why that hurt so bad or why I felt that way and why I deal with it the way that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, I probably saw you solid for a year, and now I just 911 you. Uh-huh. So if, uh-huh. <laughs> if a situation comes up, or if I need some advice or if I am a little unclear about is this normal for lack of a better word now, I mean now you, I mean you're definitely my counselor my therapist well and, I'm your friend and I mean uh, I'm not I would never charge you well and you're <laughs> d- deeply deep you're a dear 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 friend to me um but I agree but th- I, there have been times in my life whether it was loss or divorce or um, dealing with my childhood stuff that I didn't even really know that I really needed to deal with yeah. it. Um, that, uh, that I went to therapy spe- for those specific things. And then once I kind of got through that darkness and it felt a little bit lighter, I didn't feel the need. It's kind of, it's kind of strange. It's like, it's like eating a meal. Like, you know, when you're full like, yes. and you just, you push the dish aside. Yeah. And it's a, you know, a lot of the things that you learn in therapy, it depends on what kind of therapist you go to, but, but everybody is going to hopefully equip you with some new tools. And so it's the implementation of a lot of those tools and those tools can, you hone those and you become better at it and all of those things that, that you're going to learn there as opposed to, to maybe even in a lot of the books that are out there. And there are some terrific self-help books out there oh, yeah. right now. Yeah. But sometimes it's really helpful just to have another human talk talk about it and normalize it a little bit. Oh, yeah. You know, when I, uh, when my first husband and I were going through our hardship times, um, after I decided to get a divorce, I, I went to my therapist and he had also worked with my first husband and I, when we were seeing if we could repair our relationship, and um, after after we decided to get a divorce, my therapist said, okay, so now what are you going to do about your stuff, your family of origin stuff? Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
what do you mean? <laughs> I was raised by the Cleavers, you know? <laughs> and he was thinking, yeah, well, you wouldn't, your picker might have been a little different, and his picker might have been a little different. And so when I, he Will said, you explain I, the picker? Because if, for somebody who's <laughs> never heard that term, I know what that term means, yeah. but for somebody who's never heard that. Like yes, me. Yeah, so the picker is how you pick your partner. Mm-hmm. And so what a lot of us will do is we will pick a partner that has similar characteristics to some of the good and also some of the not so good behaviors in the home. And so they've been conditioned, that becomes their normal. And so that's how that picker is formed. So whenever people are like, let's say people get a divorce and, and like what this therapist said to me is you need to go do your family of origin work and figure out why you picked him. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I was really kind of appalled because I thought my family was perfect and they looked perfect and they, they were very well respected in Lubbock. And my dad was, they were big in the church and blah, 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 blah. And, um, and so what I came to realize that a lot of the a lot of the things that I had experienced in my upbringing were too extreme. And so what I would tend to do is pick something that was the other extreme a little bit. You know, uh, my first husband was a, a heck of a lot more fun than the people were in that I was hanging out with in choir and training union and <laughs> church and Sunday school and all of that going five hours a day. And, you know, so mm-hmm. it was, it was just a whole different thing. So when I came, when I started looking at that and really looking at my behavior in the marriage mm-hmm. and how, where that came from, it was invaluable to me because I learned that it was learned and that it yeah. wasn't my temper I didn't have a born tem- a bad temper. I wasn't born with a bad temper. Yeah. I watched my mom. My mom was a bit of a rager some, and I would watch her, and so I learned that. <laughs> and the good thing about that sort of thing is when you go to therapy and you start to pick through some of these things in the past and wonder wonder what that was about for me and, and how did that come to be part of my normal then you can unlearn it by basically practicing the opposite. I think the family of origin stuff, which is so, 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 so valuable to people, is that you you have this understanding of, oh, my goodness, no wonder. You know, like you and I were both raised in pretty extreme religious communities, and and so we were taught a lot of things like to tolerate, just be nice, don't rock the boat, you know, yep. forgive, and yep. which all are really good principles. But there comes a time when you've got to stop and say, wait, that wasn't okay. Yep. But being, I, I always thought I needed to just be okay with whatever happened because I was, yep. I was married and I was going to be married the rest of my life. Yep. You know, so when you go and look at some of that family of origin things, some of those family of origin things, it is really helpful because then you're like, kind of like, oh my gosh, no wonder. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think I've said this before. When growing up, I started taking tap when I was like four, and whenever I tap danced, people applauded and they liked it and all of that. I took ballet. I was a really good student. I won the spelling bee. I did all of these things. And so performance became a vital part of my existence. 
And it was, and it was because when I performed and I did it well, or you liked it, then I got approval. So performance for me was a way to get approval. Huge, huge motivator. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, I'd walk down the halls of Coronado High School and be like, hi, 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 how are you doing? Fine, 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 because I wanted them to vote for me. Mm-hmm. And they did, and mm-hmm. I got elected. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, there it works again. Yeah. And so I was, so I took that conditioning. Mm-hmm. It's like Pavlov's dogs. I took that conditioning totally. into my marriage, and, <clears throat> and I didn't talk about things. Mm-hmm. I just performed. Mm-hmm. But you felt things. But I felt things, but, oh, well, we didn't talk about that in my family. Mm-hmm. We did not talk about feelings. Yeah. You know, when I would cry, my uncles would call me crybaby. Mm. And, you know, and when, and women in general were not taught that it was okay to be feel angry. Yeah, not at all. I mean, and I think that that's still a phenomenon for some people who grew up in that beaver cleaver where the wife just sits down, shuts up, it's the yeah. man's way, and and then they grow up with that, and then then they then they go look for that. I I really think that that's a big part of some of the undoing that we have seen in you and I's generation, my generation. Yeah, uh, is women have found their voice. They watch their mothers do nothing, say nothing, feel nothing, be nothing. Yeah. And so they thought that that's what they were supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, like, wait, no, 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 no. You, you actually do have a feeling. You do have a thought that that didn't feel well. So then you say something about that. And and the, the person on the other side of you has never seen this before. Right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> What? Like, yeah. Because their mom was quiet, and and when I married you, you you didn't have an opinion about it. Now all of a sudden, you have an opinion about it. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, you. Yeah. Yeah. What were you lying to me? Were you faking? Yeah. I think one of the most profound things that you said in that segment for me, Janice, and it was such a such a beautiful and hard thing for me to hear from you and learn from you, and need to change because of that enlightenment was I remember sitting in your office and this is when I was married and just struggling with some stuff. And, and I said to you, you know, well, you know, this is, these are the things that he's been doing and this is the, the, what's going on. And I said, and you know, well, I'm Spanish. I'm I'm sure I've said this before on the podcast. I'm Spanish. So, you know, I've got a, I can be feisty Uh and I, I, I don't, you know, I can have that little bit of a fire in me. And you were like, no, 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 no. See, we don't get to blame who we are on the fact that we're Italian or we're Irish or we're Spanish or, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I'm Latin. So, you know, I've got that Latin thing in me. And like, no, that's actually all learned. It is learned. And that was a profound thing. You know, if you think about, I mean, of course, as babies, we're born unique. We're born very unique. Yes. But at the same time, who we become and who we evolve to be is, is such, we are such a product of our upbringing. Yes, it's conditioning. It is conditioning. It is totally, you know, and I think like we're People born. People really need to hear that. I know. <laughs> and so when somebody says, if you say it to your partner or your partner says it to you, I just can't help it. 
It's just the way I am. Mm. I just lose my temper. I can't help it. Yeah, I was born. Like, I was born no, with no, a temper. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You can help it. Yeah. You, but you're going to have to learn how to do it, and you're going to yeah. have to practice it. And I yeah. think that's where therapy is really helpful. And it's it's really helpful when I have a couple that comes in, and you know, and the guy's sitting there and saying, you know, I just can't help it. This is blah blah blah. And for me to say that in front of their wife, because then because then they're like, oh really, you know, and and the wife is like jumping up and down because it's finally confirmed what her experience has been. Yeah, somebody's validating yeah. her experience, which and and her feelings about that experience, and that it doesn't it doesn't feel right. And you're saying it's not right. Yeah, the behavior's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. So there. Yeah. So I think that what's cool about what you were talking about also is that. You know, we were born with the color of eyes and born with the color of hair or some simile of that color. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, don't, and, I don't know about <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I, I have no idea what really my hair color is. But um, doesn't matter. It looks amazing. No, thanks, Tova. <laughs> really doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But, you know, but it's, but it's, it's, it's empowering to reali- really realize that it's not how you were created you weren't created to be a rager no and you don't want to be because if that's what you're going to be if that's going to be your go-to then you're not going to have a lot of friends and your partner's going to be miserable with you and your children are going to grow up and either pick a rager or become ragers themselves or both so that generational gunk is going to go on it's going to keep going forever and ever and ever yeah so i have a question why is it, uh, I mean, I believe in doing family of origin work. I've done it with you, and it has been incredibly insightful in not only my ro- romantic relationships, my marriage, but also um, as a parent. Yeah. Um, you know, I see so much of my past coming through in, in those things as well. But I would like to know, okay, so let's just say I don't scream at my kids, but let's just say I did scream at my kids and like I was a yeller and I was always yelling. Um, And I was always yelling because my mom was always Uh yelling. Um, Why? So my question is this. If I come to you and I say I yell at my kids and I need to stop I want to stop yelling at my kids like I don't want to be that kind of mom why can't as a therapist why can't a therapist just help me stop yelling at my children without why is it so necessary to find the origin of that why is it so important to go back to the family of origin and figure out where that came from why that exists why do we have to do that? Well, I think that there... Or not have to do that. You don't have it, to do yeah. it. But I think well, in order to have a really lasting change around that, you do have to do that, I believe. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that you can fake it till you make it, sort of. Mm-hmm. But I And there are all sorts of processes you can do to help to control that rage, like walk out the room, take 10 deep breaths, do 50 jumping jacks, or whatever it is to practice getting rid of that energy. But if you, so if you picture a weed and it's something in your life that you just don't 
want. It's, it is interfering with your relationship. It's interfering with your joy. It creates anxiety with you or de- some depressive feelings around mm-hmm. it. It hurts other people. It hurts other people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and you keep chopping the top off of it. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep growing up. And so mm. when you pull up that weed and you shake the dirt off and you look at those roots and see where that came from or from which from where that came is the better way to say it, then it's kind of like, oh, my goodness, no wonder I rage. My mother raged. Or even if your mother was a silent rager, then children are emotional sponges, so they suck into that energy, and that becomes part of their energetic field and then they act it out so then the process that I use is uh, and I do talk about this some in my in my book the shame game so I'll plug it but the really doing a really deep history about where some of these dysfunctional behaviors come from just like the performance behavior when I did that fam the family of origin stuff and I looked at how early that began for me it was like well no wonder I'm performing like that as an adult and then what you do is you go in with some reparenting skills that will help you reparent the youngest version of where that all began. Mm. And that's when you have uprooted. And then it becomes so much easier because the the energy you start to have this deep compassion for that little child mm-hmm. and then that just kind of dissipates mm. you know there's i have by my mirror i've talked about this too but uh, i have a picture of myself in third grade and i bet you were so cute well i don't know i had a bird's nest for the top of my hair and a duck's tail in the back so i was like I don't know, uh, some I sort of poultry <laughs> and brown stain on my buck teeth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, not so cute. But I, I made I made a little dish. I don't know when, maybe in Girl Scouts or something. And um, and it was, my dad kept it by his sink until he died and I took it. And there was, there's a picture of me in this little glass dish and he, that's where he would put his coins. And so I have that by my mirror. So if I, I think as women, a lot of us are conditioned to be particularly critical of our looks. And, oh, yes. and so when I'm staring in that makeup mirror and I'm seeing, you know, lines in my forehead or whatever, and I feel this emotional tug that says, oh, you're not pretty. Oh, you're getting old. Uh, it's not, you're not going to be attractive to Tom or whatever. I go to that little girl and I look at that little dish with that picture of me and I say to her, you know what? I totally understand why you feel this way. Your mom was really hyperly, hyper-focused on looks and appearance. And that whole generation really were. Yes, they were. You know, and... It was all about... And it was it was about for everybody else. It was for about the husband when he came home. Yeah. It was about for the neighborhood... Yeah. F- ...function. Like, it was all... It wasn't about being glamour, glamorous or put together for 
yourself. No, it was so that you would yeah. look good out there and that yeah. your husband would be proud Attracted and that to your you. husband wouldn't cheat and yeah. fool around because you maybe had a little bit you of were the kept. belly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I look at that little girl and I say, no wonder you feel so inadequate and you're so critical of yourself. And then I tell her that I love her and that she's precious and she's safe. And then I set a limit for her and say, but I can't let you live my life for me. And so I'm going to look in the mirror from my adult eyes. And you just sit right there in that little dish. <laughs> and I love her and I put her in my heart and I hunk her down. And then I'm, it's, it's truly amazing how that has, that has changed the way I look at myself in the mirror. Mm. You know, I'll still pluck an eyebrow. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> and I still might go get a little bit of Botox. <laughs> but, you know, but it's not a sinking, I'm yeah. inadequate, I'm ugly sort of a, a place to be. Yeah. Well, you know? we're aware, of course, we look at our faults and that's normal. But yeah. But to when you know when you've kind of switched to the dark side and. Oh, and, yeah. And you're being overly critical of yourself or others, or you you lose your temper, or you, you. I mean, isn't it interesting that we all, like Kevin said, we all have stuff. And I tend to think, don't you think we all sort of know our stuff? I mean, yes, I think we know our stuff. We may not admit our yes. stuff. But yes, you know, that's one of the most empowering things in the world you can do is learn to look and say, what's my part in this or what's my stuff in this or why am I reacting like this? Oh, yeah. That was one of the most powerful and and life altering, eye opening, heart opening, spirit opening, soul changing experiences of my life going through my divorce because the easiest thing for me to do in that situation would have been to like wash my hands, tell everybody it was his fault. It, you know, it, it this is why I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and never having to look at my side of the street. I totally could have done that. Yeah. Um, and why you picked him. Yeah. And where did that oh. come from? How, how was that in some way, comfortably miserable yes like why was that my guy yeah and 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 he and he was and i mean he has some wonderful attributes oh of course i i mean i adore topher to this day and and he has amazing qualities it's one thousand percent clear to me why i chose him based on my family stuff it's why a hundred percent why i I am 1,000% attracted to a certain kind of guy because of my family of origin. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and you know, I'm trying to repair and heal th- that little girl inside me. It's so obvious. It's so, it's so easy to see. Isn't and it? Yes. Yes, it's so easy to see. And so the important thing, I mean, it's empowering to learn those tendencies, yeah. It's so, and and that's the part of therapy. You know, I think so many people, men. No offense to Kevin and all the other males <laughs> on the planet, but I think that so many people, women too, look at therapy as some sort of weakness. Like, oh yeah, like something has to be wrong 
Like, and yeah, something is wrong, but guess what? There's something wrong with all of us. But like, it's, it is not weak to go to therapy. No, and you know what's so empowering when you do kind of take a really good look at maybe some of the things, maybe you pick the same job over and over yes. again that doesn't get you where you really want to yes. go. But you stay and you stay mm-hmm. and you stay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that what's what uh, one thing that's really cool to do. such a good do, point. Manifest in all areas. All of areas. Yep. Uh, one thing that's really cool to do is to... If you make a list, let's say you're dating, <clears throat> and you make a list of what what you're attracted to. So, you know, as my one of my bosses when I worked with the prisoners said to me, you know, if you're wildly attracted to some guy, you need to run like hell because it's that's your, you know, you hadn't been single enough to fix your picker. <laughs> it's really interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yes. I think that if you're if you have this wild attraction initially initially okay yeah initially first dating somebody and you have a wild attraction to somebody yeah that you know that and and if you're recently out of relationships and you've had several relationships that have you know been blotched right you know then you're he was like you you need to run was very interesting and I was like oh my gosh I don't know what you're talking about good advice for a lot of people listening right there (laughs) (laughs) but you know what uh, what I think is a cool thing to do is if you think about what sort of a man or woman are you really attracted to and you write down the characteristics Mm. and then you go back and look at those characteristics and and ask yourself is this the child me picking or is this the adult me oh that you have never given me this exercise that (laughs) well is so good that will be two (laughs) hundred (laughs) dollars not really oops but but what you can so i'll give you an example good janice really good so for me if I, so if I pick, so my first husband's family was very different from my family. They uh, were, they were kind of partiers and, and they would pl- stand around the piano and sing. And when uh, my first husband and I would go over there, it was really, really fun. And they were kind of loud and, but they were a lot of fun. So the if I am attracted to somebody that manifests a kind of a a little bit of a maybe a little more extreme in that direction, and I stop and I ask myself, is this the adult me picking that, or is this a child me? And I know it's an adolescent me Ooh. because it was going to Sally Wright's mm-hmm. house and drinking a beer. Smoking cigarettes. Don't uh-huh. forget the cigarettes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the cigs. They were great. <laughs> they and his family all smoked. And so, you know, so I know that I know that adolescent. I can't trust that adolescent mm-hmm. to, pick. to be your picker. No. I just I mean, I literally just wrote that in my note section. I have never heard that, but it's so I mean, that is a profound exercise. Like yeah. who's he, who's, who's on this picking? date? Yeah. Who is on this date? Yes. One of the things that I was so attracted to Tom about was I could tell from the very first date that we had that he was smart. Mm-hmm. And I was really attracted to that. Mm-hmm. And I know that that's the adult me. 
Mm. You know, and Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be a little bit of child because my parents were really proud of the fact that I made really good grades and they would take me out to lobster. They didn't never gave me money, but they'd buy me lobster for dinner. That's really cute. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And but my dad was smart. So was my mom. And they valued that. Mm -hmm. They really did. And so I saw that. And and my sister married somebody who was really, really smart. And so, you know, it is it is interesting for you to really look at that. And if it's, especially if it's an adolescent, mm, those adolescents aren't typically the best pickers. Yeah. You know? Oh, good Lord, no. The guy that I dated in high school. <laughs> <laughs> My picker. Well, at least was... you didn't marry him. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I oh, actually married okay. him. <laughs> Ten years after high school, but I married him. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. I'm probably blushing. <laughs> But I know why I chose him. Mm -hmm. I mean, knowing my family, knowing Topher was so safe. So how? Why? What did he do that was like your family? He he wouldn't fight with me. He never, there was no conflict. There was so much conflict and so much rage between my parents and with one another, my mom to me. And I was so scared of conflict and oh. I didn't want conflict. I just wanted everything to be okay. I wanted every day to be rainbows and butterflies and sunshine. And I never talked about how I felt or what bothered me or that didn't feel good. Or um, I didn't, I just, I never wanted to have conflict. Conflict scared the living hell out of me. And Topher grew up in a similar type of environment for different reasons. But he avoided conflict because conflict was scary in his house too. Uh, so we just we just nested right in together. Yeah. Nothing happening here. No, I mean, everybody thought we had the best marriage, the most perfect relationship. I always talked about how much I loved him. I praised him. I adored him. I there was never anything wrong. Ever. We never had a fight. Ever, Janice. In your whole, how long were we all married? 17 years. And we had one, we had one, well, two when the shit hit the fan. So two fights in 17 years. Wow. Two conversations. <laughs> about like, anything, <laughs> feeling. Any. It's just, you were like the Stepford family. Totally. How are you doing? Fine. Great. How's it going? How are you? Great. Oh, it's great. Uh, oh, it's beautiful outside. Yeah. You look Tornado. amazing. Don't I look amazing? Everything's amazing. <laughs> Aren't our kids amazing? Everything's amazing. <laughs> and everybody on the outside world thought the exact same thing. Oh, look at them. Oh, they are totally. so amazing. I mean, I cannot tell you how many people would approach me and like, you guys are the cutest, sweetest couple. Like, and then, so then when we got divorced, I mean, people were like, what the heck? You know, they had never seen, I mean, my best friends, my best friends were like, we would have got divorced long, but I would have bet we would have got, and then. So did you never talk about anything to your friends either? No. Oh, no. It just gets. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and that's why I talk about everything now. Like, <laughs> and now that I've learned and now that I know, I mean, it's like, be careful what you learn, you know? And yeah. 
and and now I feel, I know what I feel. I know how to articulate what I feel. I'm not afraid mm -hmm. to say how I feel. Like I really did find my voice. And, and so that was a big part of my part in the marriage. I mean, this, there was stuff going on left and right. And I'm like, what should we make for dinner? Like, uh -huh. I didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to talk about it. And, you know, my dad didn't want to talk about it mm -hmm. with my mom. She always wanted to talk about it. And so that was part of the rage between them. It was so easy for me to see, yeah. you know, I became my dad and I married my dad. So when you when they would, when your parents would have an argument, did your dad not talk about it? Never. Or she, your mom just raged, raged at him, him. Did she rage at y'all too? Yes. Uh-huh. Lots and lots and lots of rage. She was Bless always, yeah, she was painfully unhappy. And she just. Why do you think? Oh, she, she grew up in a really hard home. There were six kids. She was number two. She was severely abused by her dad. Oh. She got married when she was 17. She had her first baby when she was 19. She had me when she was 20. She had four kids by the time she was 20. Nine. I mean, it, it, she, she, and she was so smart and so beautiful. And, you know, nobody, nobody ever took care of my mom. Every single time my, she got upset or had a feeling my dad would just say whatever he needed to say to make it go away, but he wasn't really listening and yeah. he wasn't really understanding. And so she was just sad and lonely and depressed and, and angry and, and she never, you know what makes me so sad about my mom, Janice, is, and I know you know this, she died when she was 53, and she never, like, got to resolve that inside her. She never healed <clears throat> that little girl inside of her. Yeah. And, and that's why I wanted to talk about this so much today, because mm -hmm. I feel like therapy and doing the work and, and going down the hard the hard road of looking at your past and looking at yourself it's not easy no it's not easy but I feel like on the other side of it and it doesn't take long and it doesn't take much it's hard and it can be scary and, and you feel things you really didn't want to feel I mean believe me I didn't want to feel any of this I was the a1 avoider of, me too yeah and but it's not it's not abundant and on the other side of you doing the work and having the conversations and learning about yourself, I just feel like is such abundance and, and a, like a realization and an opening, a light yeah. that, that can't exist otherwise. Well, it's really hard to be a child in an adult body. Yes. Or an adolescent in an adult body. Yes. You're, it it's, sure it's is. It's too incongruent. It sure is. And so when you look at those... That's such a powerful, profound thing to say. It really us. is yeah. very difficult. And I used to drive around, and I would pretend like I was in a minivan, and there was this little baby, Janice, and... Um, and so I, she was in the back seat in a car seat, and then there was the tap dancer, and then there was the girl that, you know, sang the Battle Hymn of the Republic and, <laughs> in, you know, won the spelling bee, and then there was the adolescent that made good grades but was kind of wild and trying to break the rules Total and all of that. Total cheerleader, so popular. Yeah, hi, 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 
okay, <laughs> you know, and 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 so and I'll and you know I would drive around and if I was feeling something I'd be like, okay, does anybody in the back seat have something to say? And you know the adolescent might be like, screw them, I'm going to go to Sally Wright's house and drink beer and smoke cigarettes, or you know, or the or the performer would be like, well, if you just do it right, if you just act nice, then everybody will like you or whatever, you know. So you really, be, it sounds like a little bit of. Uh, disassociative identity disorder, which is multiple personality <laughs> disorder, but I promise it isn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. but you know, then you become really well acquainted with that. And then you get very accustomed to being like, oh gosh, that was a little girl. And so then you can, you know, I always visualize putting that little girl in my heart and then I'm a, an adult in my adult body. And it's a lot easier to be that. Yeah, it is. And it's a lot more productive and you will just be happier yeah and you know what the greatest thing is you can't get in trouble yeah you know there were times when I would want to not tell Tom the truth about something I think I said when we were building our house and we and the contractor had underbid the doors that we were putting in that we were remodeling and our the first house that we bought together and it was going to cost an extra $2,000. I was at the light at Preston Road and um, Northwest Highway, and I literally was sitting at the light thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to pay for the difference of those doors because I don't want Tom to get mad, which he had never gotten mad about money, but my parents would argue about money. And I, and I was I thought, your little girl. Yeah. And, I, and then I was like, wait, I can't get in trouble. I can't get grounded. I can't get my car taken away. I can't lose my credit card. I can't get a spanking unless you're into that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not. So, (laughs) but you know, so all of that, that revelation about all that, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I can't get in trouble. Yeah. Went home, told Tom, Though those doors are going to cost us an extra $2,000. And he's like, all right, that's not a big deal, you know. But I I can literally sit here and think about how that felt before I realized Mm. that. And my stomach hurts. Mm. Because it was fear-based. Because that's that little girl. Yeah, you've taught me that. And, you know, my brother and I remind each other of that a lot. You do? That you can't get in trouble? Remember, you can't get in trouble. Like, (laughs) you're actually, you make a shitload of money. You're a father of five. You're a badass. You can't get in trouble. You get to do whatever you want to do. You can do whatever you want. You're an adult, and you can't get into trouble. And us reminding each other of that has been incredibly profound. It's unbelievable how freeing that is. It really is. And to be scared of your husband. You know, I mean, it's like, okay, so what if he doesn't like it? Yeah. You know, I mean, you're going to be kind to him. Of course. But to feel like you're going to be in trouble. Like you can't say that because he might get mad. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Anger is fine. Yeah, it is okay. I can be okay if you're not okay. Yes. Yes. I I love when you remind me of that. Anyway. Man, Janice, this has just been awesome. I mean, it really is. It really is. It's like Martin Luther King, free at last. Yes. It really is. It is so true. And you know what? I'm so glad you said that because I do believe that that is such a gift and blessing of therapy. Yeah, it is. Is is It, it creates freedom in your soul. And, you know, I... We talked about this when we talked about doing prison ministry, how so many of those men and women that we worked with 
in in prison were a whole lot freer than than people within three miles of here. Yeah, because of the you know, like we we're not living in our truth, and there is we we can we can live in our truth. We can. Yeah. We can live in our truth. It's safe. It's safe to be who we are, it and it's safe to be yeah. a grown up. Yeah. It's not safe. It can be a little fun at times to be an adolescent, but in the long run, it's not going to do you any good. Yeah, really good. Kevin, what are you thinking? You have been so I'm quiet. thinking that I can't find my my uh, outro music. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like for us to sing? <laughs> no, dun, that's okay. Dun, I'll mix dun, it in in post. Dun, Don't dun, worry about dun, it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Well, Janice, thank you. God, oh, you're I welcome. Like I, I mean, honestly, this <laughs> is, y'all, Janice is $185 an hour. No, I'm not. It's $200. Oh, you're too, your it's, prices have gone way up. No, they've been that way for a long I think, time. I think you've just been charging me $185. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to go check that. I'm going to send you a bill. <laughs> you can bend no request to me, along with Kevin and everyone else, and Carter, and George, and Anna Fran. I'm like, what the hell do you the need whole another spectrum. 50 bucks for? <laughs> Your children? Yes. They Venmo you instead of, I mean, they request you on Venmo instead of coming to you and oh, asking for it. That is brilliant. That Not, is. I wish I had that. Not brilliant. Not effective either. <laughs> <laughs> You don't. They think you just blindly say pay, 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 pay. I'm like, pay. what's this for again? Mom, we talked about it. No, we didn't. <laughs> I had a glass of wine. I didn't have that much wine. <laughs> oh, uh, well, hilarious. thank you. Oh, that Kevin, was fun. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Janice, thank you. You guys have an amazing week, and thanks for being with us. And rate us, please. Yes. yes. Rate us. Share the podcast with someone who could use it. Leave a... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, review. Review. Rate. Yeah. Her, rate, yeah. rate. Write a review. Um, we're, if we're, it's positive. Yeah. If it's positive, <laughs> we're still at five stars. We, we don't want to get it. in trouble. <laughs> we want to. We want to stay at the top, please. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. Have an amazing week, everyone. Thanks for listening.